0: thanks for watching entity business coming up targets profit plummeting by 50 percent and heading into the holiday season will inflation bring us fewer presents this Christmas the latest on the FTX crypto collapse saga investors now suing the founder for damages while lawmakers expect him to appear before Congress and what is Elon Musk doing to reshape his new company Twitter and what effects are his actions having on employees and investors? We have that and much more coming up on NTD Business. It's great to have you with us, as always. Paul Graney here. Target's profit falling by 50% in its latest quarter, causing its shares to immediately sink 13% down. This is happening right before the holiday shopping season, Christmas only a month away. A target slowdown in demand could be just what the Federal Reserve wants. The Fed, of course, is doing this to fight inflation, raising rates, that is. So based on retail earnings in general, is demand falling overall? Analyst Chris Batola from MerchantMaverick.com doesn't see a clear strong drop. He says the signals are a little mixed. It's
1: not quite universal. Uh, Walmart's sales are up. Uh, Amazon's are up uh, a little bit, but they're uh, not meeting their forecasted expectations. So they're, while they're up relative to last year, they're, they're below what the company was expecting. So overall, it's not quite across the board bad.
0: And at the same time, we're seeing household debt soar at the fastest pace in 15 years. This means, of course, people are borrowing heavily with mortgages, credit cards even. Is it an all time American record of a collective $16.5 trillion of debt? Matola says these numbers are just enormous. He believes the fallout from the excessive borrowing may come next year.
1: At some point, you're just going to see a big, uh, I think, severe amount of uh, demand destruction, which, again, is what the Fed is aiming for. Uh, at what point that becomes too much? Um, that's kind of what everybody's speculating on right now. I um, can't say for sure at what point that tips into more of like a recessionary uh, trend.
0: Meanwhile, latest government data shows retail sales rose 1.3% in October, month over month. This means consumers spend more money in the retail sector. But Mottola attributes that mainly to car and gas sales, which are also included there for some reason. He says people will have to focus on buying essentials because of high inflation, and because of this, he predicts it'll be a disappointing holiday shopping season. And the founder of online store Uplift Floor Rive, Philip Massiello, quite unfortunately, doesn't sell essentials. Food sales are going up, and what Massiello sells technically is food, but
2: in our business, we're we're a uh, we're a nice have. We're not a must have. Sell protein powders and, um, you know, mushroom coffee and things like that, and we are seeing a decline in that demand. We are seeing some, uh, some, I would say, spending or or, uh, spending choices being made when it comes to, you know, what people are buying.
0: Masiallo says food sales are going up not because people are buying more. The numbers are going up because food is simply more expensive. He also believes people are more selective about what they're buying.
2: A year ago, you could buy 100 items in the grocery store for $300 to feed your family. Well, today... You're spending $300, but you're only getting maybe 75 items, right? So you've had to make choices about what types of items you're getting. You know, maybe we're not going to get the most expensive olive oil that we like. Maybe we'll get a lower grade olive oil. Maybe we're not going to get you know, our favorite pasta sauce.
0: Masialo believes we'll see a softer holiday shopping season in terms of unit volume. Even if people spend a lot of money, that once again is just because things are more expensive. So with us to discuss the economic outlook is Douglas holtz Aiken. He's the president of the American Action Forum. He's also the former director at the Congressional Budget Office. Doug, it's great to see you. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. So, Doug, very uncertain times we see target warning today. Their sales are slowing, shares tanking at the same time. We also have the director at the L.A. port saying that last month was the slowest month since 2009 how serious do you expect this economic downturn to get
3: well i don't think we're in a downturn yet Uh, for every story like the target story we got walmart with stronger earnings we got uh, retail sales out uh, for the most recent month and they were unexpectedly strong and so uh, i think what we're seeing is a rebalancing of the consumer's appetite for services versus goods in 2021 we had the year of goods price inflation, and we had supply chain problems, and people were trying to get their hands on goods. 2022, the story of services, people going back to the consumption of you know, restaurants and shows and travel, and those prices are the ones where we've seen the inflationary pressure, and that part of the spending is still carrying the economy.
0: So you're thinking that maybe when 2023 comes, there could be more pressures on households?
3: Uh, No question. So you could easily imagine, um, as the Fed uh, gets to neutral, which I expect it to do uh, in December, we'll go another 50 basis points is is my best guess. Uh, They'll continue to move to more restrictive monetary policy in early 2023, one or two more rate rises. Then you could easily see businesses thinking, well, uh, we're not going to need all these workers. We're going to get broader layoffs. You start getting broader layoffs. Then you get a pinch on the, the income flow into the household sector. And then, then you get the, the rebound effect of less consumer spending. So that's a concern for the middle to second half of 2023. And I think that's the basic reason that most economists attach a higher probability to a recession than you typically would uh, at this point in time. Mm-hmm.
0: In my introduction, I mentioned you were at the Congressional Budget Office. I think for the government yeah. at the moment, whether it's them to blame or whatever, they're, they're in a tight spot, like you spoke about. We have high levels of debt. The Fed is raising interest rates. The interest payments on that debt is going to be phenomenal. got inflation to deal with, an economic downturn to deal with. What advice do you give both Republicans and Democrats?
3: Well, I think the first thing to recognize is that once you let inflation get entrenched, you have no good choices. You either live with the inflation, and nobody wants to live with the inflation that we're experiencing even now. So if you look at food, energy, and shelter, half of the CPI, half of the typical family's budget, that's still rising at nearly double-digit rates, 9.5%. That's extraordinarily fast. So that's not an option. Well, the things you need to do to address the inflation are also not particularly much fun, right? They mean fewer retail sales, fewer home sales, a weaker labor market. So you level with the the American people. Congress and the administration say we are we are doing this uh, to bring inflation under control. Uh, the Fed is doing something it doesn't like to do, but but has to do, and they have to promise to not make it worse. Uh, Congress, thus far, you know, it's doing what Congress does: spend now, promise to pay later. That's an inflationary. Um, A tendency, at least directionally, the administration sought to, you know, uh, relieve $420 billion of student loan payments and that's just, again, more spending, more inflationary pressure. So they could do their part by not making things worse and letting the Fed do its part by fighting the inflation.
0: But now we see the the GOP have secured control of the House. Perhaps we will see gridlock, maybe, but traditionally the Republicans, they haven't exactly been responsible fiscal stewards, I feel. You think this time it could be different?
3: Uh, I think the gridlock by itself will, you know, minimize the chances of anything like an American rescue plan, $2 trillion of stimulus in a hot economy. That was a huge policy error. I don't expect to see that repeated. I don't even think we'll see another Chips and Science Act, $300 billion of deficit finance spending. So the political gridlock will will serve to take inflationary fiscal policy off the table. It'll be, it'll be pretty static and neutral. Um, I, I don't think that's a terrible thing for the macroeconomy right now. The Fed can deal with uh, trying to bring inflation under control. If it precipitates a mild recession as a result, it can unwind that pretty quickly it's time to turn the reins back to the private sector and let it drive the economic growth.
0: I like your optimism, Doug. We don't hear it so often. Douglas Holtz, eakin American Action <laughs> Forum. Thank you so much, sir. We appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you. And down on Wall Street, stocks fell today, unfortunately. The Dow lost 39 points, one-tenth of a percent. S&P fell 33 points, eight-tenths of a percent. And the Nasdaq gave up yesterday's gains, dropped 175 points, 1.5%. And the legal headaches are piling up for the founder of bankrupt crypto exchange FTX. Today, crypto investors sued Sam Bankman-Fried and several celebrities who endorsed the platform. They want damages, quite simply. The lawsuit alleges Bankman, Freed, and FTX promoters engaged in a conspiracy to defraud investors. Doesn't sound good for him. The suit claims FTX's yield-bearing accounts were simply unregistered securities that were unlawfully sold in the United States. Investors argue it was simply a Ponzi scheme where investor funds were shuffled into related entities to maintain the appearance of liquidity. Maintain the appearance that everything was okay. It wasn't. Representative for Bankman-Fried did not immediately respond to a request for comment. But lawmakers are pouncing on him, too. Today, the House Financial Services Committee announcing it'll hold a hearing next month. They'll investigate FTX's collapse, and they expect Bankman-Fried to be there, too. Bankman-Fried, or FTX, filed for bankruptcy last week after making risky bets and losing billions of dollars in user deposits. Sorry if you were affected. And Elon Musk, the richest and arguably the busiest man in business, is continuously in the news. He's given Twitter staff a deadline to be highly committed to their work. Here's Anthony Sean Marshall with Elon
4: Musk seems determined to turn Twitter into the success he had with Tesla. Musk, the world's richest person, tweeted this week that he's remaining at Twitter's San Francisco headquarters around the clock until he fixes the company's problems. In 2018, Musk was working through the night and sleeping at Tesla factories in California and Nevada as the company struggled to ramp up production of the Model 3. But that's not all. He wants his employees to be as committed as he is. Musk sent a message to Twitter staff telling them they had until Thursday to decide on working long hours at high intensity or take a severance package with three months' pay. On an update for the blue check... Musk said on Tuesday that Twitter's sought-after blue check subscription service will be relaunched on November 29th. Here's Musk explaining how it will affect users' ranking on the app while he was at the Barron Investment Conference.
2: If, if your payment verified with blue check mark, then you're pre-prioritized. The, the, the net effect will be over time that the, the verified users will, be, will, will pretty much always be at the top of, of comments and search. and you won't really see, you'll have to scroll far to see the unverified uh, users, which will be the bots and, and trolls and whatnot.
4: Tesla investors are going to be frustrated, said Gene Munster, managing partner at venture capital firm Loop Ventures. Munster also said he's probably going to spend more time on Twitter than any Tesla investor feels comfortable about. Twitter employees are probably also constantly worried, wondering how safe their jobs are with Musk attempting to outwork everyone with thoughts of blue birdies on his brain almost 24 hours a day. Sean Marshall, NTD News.
0: And COVID-19 vaccine makers are being forced to look into whether their vaccines can cause heart problems. We spoke with a top vaccine expert and a father whose teen son passed away after being vaccinated. Anthony's fake quarter has the details.
5: Pfizer and Moderna will start investigating whether their vaccines can cause heart problems. The research was required by the FDA as a condition to approve their vaccines earlier this year. Since late 2020, some 1,000 cases of myocarditis in young people have been reported after vaccination. Myocarditis is the inflammation of the heart muscle. Symptoms include chest pain, shortness of breath, and feelings of having a fast-beating heart. People have suffered heart attacks as a result of myocarditis. Some have died. April last year, -year 16-year-old Ernesto Ramirez Jr. received his first dose of the Pfizer vaccine. Less than a week later, he passed away. We spoke to his father.
6: I had Dr. Peter McCullough reviewed his autopsy report, and he said it was myocarditis. So I have it verified by several doctors, not just one. He was healthy. He was a healthy teenage boy, and he just collapsed. It wasn't until after my son's passing, I think the following month, myocarditis was added to the side effects. If I would have known this, I wouldn't have risked it.
5: Ramirez Jr. meant the world to his father. Ramirez Sr. told us that he was the only person he had. His son would cook for him, and every day he would give him a kiss in the morning and a kiss and hug in the evening.
6: He was more than a son. He was my best friend. He he was the only thing I have. I mean, I felt like I couldn't continue living without him. And uh, that I, like I said, I told him every day, Every day I wanted to make sure he knew that I loved him because, like I said, it was just us two, and I wanted wanted him to make sure he knew what a father's love was. He he never wanted to leave me alone.
5: We spoke to a medical professional who was also familiar with Ramirez Jr.'s situation. Dr. Robert Malone is a physician and biochemist. His early work focused on mRNA technology, pharmaceuticals, and drug repurposing research.
7: It is quite plausible that uh, Ernesto's son uh, did in fact um, have uh, an acute cardiac event or a stroke uh, from the inoculation uh, that he received. The events occurred within a reasonable window of time after the administration of the dose and uh, the symptoms uh, which his son experienced are entirely consistent with the known symptoms associated with both uh, mRNA vaccines, which is the myocarditis, particularly in young males.
5: A recent study by Canada's British Columbia Center for Disease Control found that 58 of every million recipients of Moderna's two-shot vaccine developed the condition. The same study found that 21 of every million recipients of the two-dose Pfizer vaccine also suffered the heart issue. So then, is myocarditis a rare condition? We asked Dr. Malone about this study.
7: I think that that study is an outlier uh, compared to the majority of studies, the preponderance of studies that have been done all over the world. Myocarditis is uh, not rare. The incidence uh, has been repeatedly calculated, including in some of the early CDC uh, disclosures on this. At, at a frequency of between 1 and 2,000 and 1 and 3,000 children dosed. So this is uh, generally per dose.
5: The CDC has acknowledged since the spring of 2021 that myocarditis is a possible side effect of the Pfizer, BioNTech, and Moderna vaccines. Pfizer and Moderna vaccine sales will reach $92 billion this year, according to analytics company Airfinity. Faye quarter NTD News.
0: We reached out to Pfizer for comment, but didn't get a response in time for airtime. And FBI Director Christopher Ray says TikTok presents a unique threat to U.S. national security. That's due to its ties to communist China. TikTok is owned by Chinese company ByteDance. And under Chinese law, any data TikTok stores in China or sends to ByteDance could be exploited and obtained by the Chinese regime. Here's what Ray told the House committee yesterday.
7: I would say we do have national security concerns, uh, at least from the FBI's end, uh, about TikTok. They uh, include the possibility that the Chinese government could use it to control data collection on millions of users or control the recommendation algorithm, uh, which could be used for influence operations, if they so chose, or uh, to control software on millions of devices, uh, which gives the opportunity to potentially technically compromise personal devices.
0: One congresswoman asked Ray if the Chinese Communist Party or CCP was using ByteDance or TikTok to surveil American citizens. Her question referenced a Forbes report from last month that said TikTok employees in China were plotting to surveil the location and personal information of specific Americans. Ray didn't answer her question directly. Instead, he said it would be better to discuss what's actually happening in a closed classified setting. We reached out to TikTok. TikTok told us they're considering the FBI's input in their ongoing negotiations with the U.S. government, and they're, quote, confident that TikTok is on a path to fully satisfy all reasonable U.S. national security concerns. Keep you updated. We're going to take a quick break, but if you have any news tips or feedback for the show, please email us business at ntd.com. Still to come. NASA's next generation rocket finally blasts off for the moon. The mission could pave the way for humans to live on Mars. An exhibition explores the origins of New York's delis. We take you there, we have that and much more coming up on NTD Business. Welcome back. Low-cost airline Frontier is now offering a more affordable way to travel as often as you'd like. It's an annual all-you-can-fly pass called Go Wild. The pass is available for unlimited flights starting May, and it costs $600 right now, but the pass will cost $2,000 regularly. It automatically renews, but pass holders can cancel anytime. It's good for any donation in the U.S. and Puerto Rico. And it does have caveats, though, so make sure to read the fine print. For example, the pass does not cover taxes, nor bag or seat fees. Also, most major holidays and long weekends are blacked out, unfortunately. And you won't earn frequent flyer miles with the pass. And NASA just launched a rocket in a crewless test flight that will bring it within 60 miles of the lunar surface. Paves the way for return of manned missions to the moon and also signals a major change in direction for the agency. Matthew Lederonda
8: reports. Five.
0: Four stage engine start.
1: Three, two, one, boosters and ignition.
8: NASA's huge next generation rocket has finally blasted off for the moon in an unmanned test flight that not only paves the way for a return of astronauts to the lunar surface but signals a major change in direction for NASA itself. But Artemis I first had some drama before its launch from Cape Canaveral. There were problems for hours, including a crew of technicians who were being heralded as heroes for carrying out a repair inside the rocket's blast zone. It's a test flight. NASA Administrator and former Senator Bill Nelson shortly after liftoff.
1: Why are we uh, going back? We're going back to the moon to uh, learn how to live on the moon in order to prepare to send humans all the way
8: to Mars. Artemis I will send its capsule, called Orion, within 60 miles of the lunar surface in a mission that will last 25 days before returning for a water landing back on Earth. The eventual goal of the Artemis program? is to get astronauts back to the moon by the end of the decade use it as a stepping stone for a mars mission artemis One's also being accompanied by a small satellite that will park itself in orbit around the moon testing the location for a future space station also planned this decade
7: ignition sequence started all engines are started we have ignition
8: this is a big switch for nasa which after the end of the apollo missions back in the 70s largely focused its manned spaceflight program on what's called low-Earth orbit missions, such as the Space Shuttle and International Space Station.
0: Artemis has been in development for over a decade with years of delays and cost overruns. In fact, this was the third attempt to launch Artemis 1 after 10 weeks of technical issues and hurricanes, if you remember. And just in time for the holidays, LEGO has unveiled its tallest build ever, it's the new Lego Eiffel Tower set. It contains 10,000 pieces, and once complete, it's a pretty authentic replica of the iconic landmark in Paris. It stands nearly 5 feet tall. Lego Eiffel Tower isn't really appropriate for young kids because it's a little difficult to build. It's recommended for those 18 and up. It's also not cheap. Price tag, $630. Lego Eiffel Tower set will be sold in Lego stores and at lego.com beginning on Black Friday. And New York delis. They're beloved by locals and visitors alike. So now an exhibition at New York Historical Society is exploring the origins of these eateries. Indeed, Andrew Thomas has more.
9: The New York Historical Society is opening an exhibition called I'll Have What She's Having, the Jewish Deli. The name comes from the famous scene in the movie When Harry Met Sally. Jake Dell is the fifth generation owner of the famed Katz's Delicatessen in New York's Lower East Side. He attended the opening of the exhibition.
10: When we see visitors not just from around the world, but from around you know, any parts of the city or people who have never been to us before, part of what we do is teach the history of Delicatessen. And I think this place does a great job of also teaching that history. The exhibition
9: explores American deli's Jewish roots and how Eastern European Jewish traditions became everyday norms for New Yorkers.
10: I think the idea of the Jewish deli, right, is is sort of the roots of it. It's a Jewish food tradition. But that doesn't mean it's meant, you know, by Jewish people, for Jewish people, right? It's it's a very much for everyone. It's we're New Yorkers, right? And we're all New Yorkers at the end of the day.
9: Old institutions like Katz's and Second Avenue Deli are going as strong as ever. Many will leave the exhibit and head straight to a deli.
10: First and foremost, you gotta eat, right? And so it doesn't matter who you are, where you come from, what you do, everyone can bond over a pastrami sandwich or a matzo ball soup or a latke. And and I think that's the beauty of this food is that it is so accessible to everyone.
9: The exhibition is on display at the New York Historical Society until April. Andrew Thomas, NTD News.
0: That's the latest on the NTD business team. I'm myself, Paul Graney. Follow me on Twitter, though, if you're there, please. Oh, and if you have any news, tips, or feedback for the show, please email us, business at NTD.com. That's all for today. Thank you for watching. We'll see you tomorrow.